Fight Owl Nation, you are now listening to the Owl Chat Podcast, your one-stop shop for everything Kennesaw State Athletics, with your hosts, Kai Millette and John Finer. It was a long week at the Convocation Center as the Owls went 0-2 with losses to Bellarmine in Eastern Kentucky uh, this past weekend. Um, to fall to four and five in conference play. But here at the Owl Chat Podcast, we are here to talk about it and help everybody cope. So I am here joined on the show by my partner and co-host, Mr. John Finer, uh, John Michael Nickerson, and producer Nick. Fellas, how are we doing today? Um, well, I suppose I could be better, Kai, after what we had to witness uh, this past weekend. But I also, it could be worse. You know, we had a four and one start to conference play. We've totally shit the bed since then. The good news is we're still in the thick of things. The bad news is the expectations are now totally tempered down to instead of the number one, two, or three seed, we're just trying to get there and get some momentum and get in. And uh, that's what we have to start to do against Austin P this coming Thursday. But we have a lot to talk about this week. Uh, J-Mac, what are your thoughts overall? Uh, it was a, It was a weekend of watching the defense for sure and seeing them see if they could get it together and lower some of the shooting percentages that's been happening over the past couple of weeks. And, uh, that, that was a story to me. Um, the, the biggest note that I saw watching the broadcast is, um, per 40 minutes, Bellarmine averaged 64 points per 40. And at the end of regulation, they had 84 and, uh, in conference play, man, at home, that's not going to get it done. And and Coach Petway knows it, man. He alluded to it at halftime. He said, "He said, man, we got to get our defense together." Bottom line, and they never did. They never did. They couldn't get stops. Yeah. Right. So we'll uh, we'll go ahead and summarize it for those who couldn't watch before we get deeper into it. So to start, the Owls stumbled out of the gate in the first half, allowing the Knights to take a twenty-one to nine lead um, into the second media timeout. Um, KSU came back and with a uh, 27, 22-7 run of their own led by Jamel King to take their first lead of the night at 29-28 to 28 at the seven-minute mark. Um, and the momentum would carry the Owls to a brief 43-36 lead following um, DeMond Robinson's three-point jumper before Bellarmine could end the half on a 9-0 run to take a 45-43 lead into the break. Um, and then to continue a common trend on the season, the Owls came out slow in the second half, um, allowing Bellarmine to jump out to a 60-52 to 52 lead. Um, just over eight minutes into the half. Um, later, an offensive surge led by Terrell Burden uh, gave the Owls the lead again at 65 to 64 with 10 minutes remaining. Um, both sides traded leads throughout most of the second half, and we find ourselves at 84 to 84 with a minute 16 left to play. Um, both teams had failed opportunities to take the lead in the final minute, um, with the last one being a Jamel King airballed three pointer. We go to overtime. The Owls fall into a quick hole at 93 to 86 with under two minutes left to play. Um, and then three-pointer off the glass from Adam McCoya and then four straight points from Simeon Cottle tied the game up at 93-93 in a matter of 30 to 40 seconds. Um, and then split trips from the line from both Gordon and Cottle put the Owls up 95 to 93 with just seven seconds to go. Um, then after a Bellarmine tied out, uh, guard Ben Johnson hit a three-pointer with 0.7 seconds remaining to give Bellarmine the 96 to 95 victory. John, we'll start with you. What went wrong? What looked good, if anything? Thoughts, comments, concerns? Yeah, I, I mean, I'll start with the positive. I liked um, Jamel King's energy was just was just tremendous. Um, you know, I, I thought that uh, we needed to be, you know, 
more disciplined on defense. And I think coach Petway, you know, knows that um, demand was getting blown up by what's his name? Hatton inside um, Landon Hatton uh, or whatever the hell his name is. Uh, he, we made him look like Jokic. Like he had what, like super efficient, like 27, 10 and four assists or some crazy shit. 12. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's just insane how that happened to the point where Petway had to put in Ranji Gordon for the final 12 minutes, the final seven of regulation and overtime. And when he was asked in the presser about, I think, Demond Robinson, you know, he just like Ranji was just, you know, doing such a good job on him. You know, we need our senior leaders like, you know, Demond Robinson. We need everything from him to contribute in order to win ball games. I mean, the defense was just so much of a mess that we put in Armani Harris for the final 75 seconds um of was that a regulation to you know try to you know get this thing settled down and I mean, overtime yeah and overtime yeah i mean coddle was just four of 14 shooting 12 13 shots were of the 14 were from three just i mean terrell burden was excellent 13 13 assists one turnover the team had 24 assists and six turnovers i've never seen anything like that before and in, in a loss i mean it was insane right the, uh, the shooting's been inefficient, but it is worth noting that the turnovers both against Bellarmine and at EKU have been um, improved. Yeah. What's your take, J-Mac? Free, free throws were obviously extremely frustrating, shooting 50%, 33% for the first half and uh, high 50s in the second half. Um, you know, the best players had the free throws at the end of the game to finish it. And, you know, uh, that's what you want. You want your best players with the ball in their hands at the end of the game. Hey, man, you got to make the play. Finish the finish the finish the game, and uh, they didn't deliver, man. Uh, I tell you uh, one thing. Uh, uh, and Demond, Demond, going back towards Demond's defense, uh, he had a really good offensive game. I mean, dude, seventy percent from the floor, seven for ten, like seventeen points. Uh, I, I, you know, just just getting back into the KSU thing, watching the last eight games like really hard. I'm like, man, like, dude, yeah, his defense has got got to be much better for how big he is. Uh, you know, you, you I, I would I, I expect more block shots, uh, tougher for dudes to back him down. It, it shouldn't be easy to you know just get an easy look in the paint. Um, the interior defense is it was di very disappointing for sure. Um, but I tell you what, the huge swing play was was uh, that the burden missed dunk, the burden missed dunk. Uh, dude, lay the ball up, lay the ball up, get the two points because they go down and they bang a three, and that's a five point swing. And we, and the reason I say get the get the get the two points is, man, when you're on a six game win streak, seven game win streak, yeah, man, you try to rock that right there. You, you guys are you guys are in a flow, you're in a rhythm, everybody's feeling good. But like when you know you got to grind out a win and you're you're in a little rut, you have got to pay attention to the smallest details, finish the play, like uh, and that that was a huge huge play to me. I thought he should have used the other side of the rim and just got the two uh, by just finishing off the glass, you know, just being fundamental. But um, you know there was there was a a huge breakdown late in the game off a of, of ball screen like uh, Terrell. Uh, jumped into an ice position, sending them towards the sideline. But Ranji uh, was hedging hard. Ranji wanted him to go middle. And Burden thought Ranji was in an ice position where he was sending them sideline. And they, that was a huge ball screen breakdown. 
mean, it, it's just like the defense, the the communication is is not there where it should be, and and that costed them late in that game for sure. And and bottom line is everybody knows that was an illegal screen at the end of the game. That, but the thing is, I didn't see it in the moment. Like, mm-hmm. and hell, I, I I watch basketball for a living. That's that's literally all I do is watch basketball. I didn't see it until I replayed. I was like, holy shit, that was a huge illegal screen. Mm-hmm. Um, so. The referees are humans, but and at the end of the game, man, those referees usually let a lot more go than normal. But yeah, that was an illegal screen. It shouldn't. It shouldn't have mattered. But the game should have been over because of the free throws. Bottom line, free throws. Make the free throws. Yeah, it was, uh, it was an ugly pass too uh, to set up the three. Um, it was just a, an ugly, ugly play. And even Petway said after the game, like, you know, he didn't expect the ref to make that call in that situation. But um, I want to talk a little bit more about the DeMond and Ranji situation. So DeMond has 17 on 70% shooting, and I think he had 15, maybe 17 all in the first half, right? Obviously, he struggled on defense. But my question to you, J-Mac, as the basketball coach here, was his defense that bad that your second or first best player is just unplayable at the end of a tight conference game? Like, was it that bad? Because DeMond's supposed to be a difference maker on this oh, team. J-Mac, before you answer, I just want to say, uh, before we go to J-Mac, that Hatton, the guy that was killing him all game, he fouled out eventually late at some point, and Robinson still did not enter the game. They still stuck with Gordon. So go ahead, J-Mac, the floor is yours. Man, uh, the thing about Bellman's system, man, is it, the way their playing style is, it, it, it makes so many more one-on-one isolations because you have to stay – when you're off ball against their guards, you have to stay connected because the minute you try to get in that gap and help or like just dig a little bit on somebody trying to penetrate is the minute they make a backdoor pass or they hit some some dude that's spotting up for three and they make you pay for anything uh, for trying to help. And those dudes are so good at just being two foot players, staying on the ground, using their pivots, using their up and unders. They spin a lot. So, I mean, if you're not good at changing directions, like planting that foot and immediately changing directions and have good lateral footwork teams like Bellerman will eat you alive, man. And, and I, and I just think that was a, an adjustment Petway was uh, making as far as a uh, pulling demand in that department. Yeah. And I saw Ranji get beat like a drum. I think it was the Bellerman game where they just slipped back door on him and they just yeah. got an easy layup. Um, but yeah, it reminds me, you know, your point, they're a great passing team, kind of like when Belmont was kicking our ass, you know, by 40 to 50 every game for a period of three years. You know, we just, you yeah. know, it was a, it was kind of like a coaching issue, you know, like a team that's that's such precision. Well, well, it, all right. Think of it like this, too. It's it's, it's their system. Um, you, you immediately come in as a freshman, but you know how they say uh, the, the triple threat. You, you hardly ever see the triple option in football. You hardly ever see it anymore. So when you play a team against it, like in high school or college, it's extremely hard to be prepared the next week because you're so used to spread offenses now, West coast style. So, and it's hard to get your scout team to to play that style that you're not used to it. When you see it in a game, you're not prepared for it as much. Uh, so it can kind of, it can confuse you in the moment a lot easier than the systems that they're used to playing against like EKU, right? A much different system. And so that, and that's what you saw, man, is uh, they have a certain particular style that's so different than what they're usually used to going up against. It, it, it gave them trouble for sure. It, but it seems like, you know, the Owls were having trouble with it. But again, they're, you know, what one in seven otherwise. So we still should, you know, not an excuse or anything like that. We need to be better and we need to figure things out. 
Yeah, and to Bellerman's credit, like they played really well um, and really just picked us apart. They did have some beautiful backdoor cuts that were just like impossible not to admire. Um, and then they shot yeah, the hell they, out of the ball. I mean, they were 11 of 22 from three, um, but they came in and they picked us apart. I think they really just exposed our lack of discipline, um, which is their biggest strength. Well, the 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 thing about Bellerman's system too, man, is they cut so hard off the ball. Like their cardio, the, to be to to cut that hard, knowing large majority of the time that you're not going to get the ball when you cut it says one that they're extremely unselfish that they're doing it for their team but two like you got to be in a hell of good shape to just cut hard all the time because most players they just want to jog when they cut because they don't think they're going to get the ball but and and when you're defending a team like that it is freaking exhausting and uh if you're not extremely locked in alert and on point with your fundamentals and your defensive positioning they're, they're gonna they're just gonna take advantage of it uh, J Mac, um, I guess we could talk about this now. We could wait till after Eastern Kentucky, but I say, you know, screw it. Let's just start it right now. How just overall, how do we improve our defense? Like what can be done? Obviously it starts with the communication and all that, but we're running, you know, a man, we're not doing anything. I don't think that's too crazy. You know, are we over switching? I mean, what, you know, what do you recommend to just get back to the fundamentals? Uh, obviously you got to hold, the, the the two things that come to mind, that's a great question, by the way. The two things that come to mind are, one, ultimate accountability in practice. Like, you got to up the accountability. Hey, man, this defensive breakdown, you're paying for it. Uh, and whatever, Whether it be cardio, whether it be whatever, uh, bring them in for more film work. Um, there's got to be more account. You got to hold them more, even more accountable, make them toe the line even more. But two, um, they may need to look to throw in zone more they got to in my opinion just just sprinkle it in see if you can get two stops man uh see if you can shift the momentum uh and, and just look I, I listen man i i am a diehard man-to-man guy myself man i hate going zone it hurt it hurts my it hurts my ego and my pride when i gotta go zone but when you're in a you're in a rut, you got to start throwing the kitchen sink, man. You can't leave any option. You got to put all options on the table, and and that that's that, that's where I think KSU is at at the moment. I think they need to look to start sprinkling it, especially against systems like Bellarmine, man. Like they cut so much, they're doing all this crazy crap and just scissoring every all over the place and backdooring. This exhausting to guard, man. Throw a zone in, <laughs> throw a zone in, and just see if you can throw off their rhythm a little bit. Right. Even if it's just as a wild card, because you look at some of these conference scores, three out of the five losses um, are by two possessions or less. <laughs> so like you said, just to throw them out of the routine rhythm and get that extra stop or two a night. Yeah. And, uh, you know, teams go zone on us all the time. It's not like a shame thing. It's just, you know, it's your preference, J-Mac. Like Eastern Kentucky was <laughs> in zone with us all night. Other teams that we play play zone all the time, all the time. Um, I think, you know, I, I mentioned this like a month ago, like I wish we were more multiple, gave teams other stuff to prepare for, think about. But then again, you know, at this late point of the season where it's getting to be do or die, you know, do we go to a zone? Because, I mean, that's more stuff you probably have to focus on in practice, more principles and um, all of that kind of good stuff. I'm, But, you know, should we just focus on doing what we do now? Because otherwise, you know, it's like too little, too late. We can't perfect both things. No, I, I think you, you you definitely got time to improve it and talk about it and rep it in practice and stuff like that. And uh, we, we've seen a little sprinkle of a one three one earlier in the uh, conference season. Um, so 
I, I think that's definitely an adjustment that you may see going forward, especially if you're continuing to see the high shooting percentages in their man to man. Um, so that that's what I think. I, I think they got definitely got to look to just, I mean, this, and at the end of the day, it's Petway's call, man, but the assistants make, they need to make sure they're at least just throwing the option out. He, they need to throw out a hundred, hundred options to Petway and they Petway may refuse them 99 times, but uh, the one suggestion he may take from them may be the one that ends up winning in the game. It may, it may be one decision, you know, they got stay on, you know, and I mean, the appeal to a, a straight man defense is you want to just play, you know, straight up with guys. And it's like, OK, make make your guys meet, beat my guys. And all of our guys are getting beat. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like you got to throw in a gimmick or two um, just to try things out, I would think. Yeah, I mean, at, th- at this point, you know, like J-Mac said, you got to hold um, accountability um, for the, uh, you know, for your own team. I mean, look at Armani Harris, you know. I I'm all about defense creating the offense. So you know what? If nobody's going to freaking defend, I'm putting in Armani Harris. I'm playing Armani Harris 15 to 20 minutes. You know, he's not going to really give me anything offensively, but I don't care. He's going to play hard for those 15 to 20 minutes. He's going to set an example. And, um, you know, I'm, you know, we're going to talk about this later, but I'm all for making lineup changes, you know, light a fire under these kids ass. Like nobody is safe, you know? Um, sometimes like, you know, like if you're at a job, right. And you've been at a job too long and you're just like, you get comfortable and, you know, not saying these guys are comfortable, but it could be a thing, you know, Cottle and Robinson. Oh, you know what? I'll just, you know, jack up my, uh, you know, 14 shots, 13 threes contested, whatever. I'm going to be right back in there next game. You know, it'll turn around. It's whatever, you know, some games will drop some games. They won't No, let's, let's hold, hold him accountable a little bit, get some better shots, um, and see where it goes the next time. Um, and maybe once he's sitting on the bench to start the game, you know, maybe he'll he'll be thinking a little bit and have a little bit more impact. Yeah. And, you know, Armani, more than anybody, wants to be in there. I thought that was super clear. I mean, he was excited to get in the game and just take advantage of the opportunity he got. I mean, that's a that's a fifth-year senior who's the ultimate team guy. Um, and this is, you know, just honing in on him playing more. It's like, okay, I mean, if you give him 15 to 20 minutes a game, you're going to have four to three to four other guys on the floor who want to put up 10 to 15 a night. You know what I mean? Like he, it's okay if he's the fifth option, throw him in there for extra defense. If he wants to play, like something's got to change. And J-Mac, oh, go ahead. Armani made a huge defensive rotation uh, for a stop too. He, he, he went vertical and rotated that kid slipped off that ball screen. He was wide, he was wide open. And I thought it was a for sure two points in the moment. And Armani rotated right at the last second and caused them to miss and and I forget the time, but I remember it, it was either a minute or less. It, it would it would have been a game winner for uh, uh, Bellerman, and I mean that was a huge play. And and obviously he was the one on the other end of that illegal screen uh, at the end. What, what isn't that correct? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, man. I mean that that was obviously a huge missed call. So no fault on Armani's part in the, in that moment at all. Was, I, and, and I told my wife I was watching it late, and I told my wife I said. There's no way that coach for Bellerman, as old as he is, isn't drawing up something elite right now. And I was like, I hope they're ready, man. That dude's a multiple-time national champion at the D2 level. He can coach ball. <laughs> yeah. 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 
Yeah. And I like how pre- I like how Petway just, you know, in the Eastern Kentucky presser just kind of casually threw in like he was going. He was just talking about something completely different. He's like, oh, we have situations like with Bellerman, you know, they set the illegal screen and he got the shot up and they won. Just like so matter of factly just slipped it in that it was like a blatantly illegal screen that he yeah. probably that he didn't even mention in the Bellerman presser. So he mentioned, it. he mentioned it. Like I said, he was like, you know, that's it, it looked like he got hit, but that's not a call I would expect the ref to make at that time. And then my guess is he went back and watched the film and was like, what the hell? We should have won that game. You're probably right, Kai. You're probably right. Yeah. And also, you know, he, he probably was trying to be diplomatic and, you know, not, you know, attack the refs or whatever, like right away. Right. Um, and as a coach, man, you, you go, the, the thing, the thing you don't want your players to see when you're in the media or talking to other people is blame a win or a loss on something, on something else, like a legal screen. Pet knows in his pet. You got to be the leader. Everything trickles down. Accountability starts with yourself. Guys, if we make our free throws, that illegal screen doesn't matter. Bingo. Bingo. If we shoot 60%, the game's over in regulation. Yeah. 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 RJ Johnson doesn't blow that wide open layup. I mean, there's so many things you can point to. Like, yeah, I I don't like blaming the refs. I mean, I I do it because I'm a fan and it's fun to yell at them, but you know, and complain about them. Hell, it's, it's just, it's just fun. But, you know, as a coach, you're absolutely right. J Mac, he needs to be the leader and, you know, can't blame it on them. We have to look internally at all the things that we could have done better. Um, and we've kind of named a whole bunch of them, to be honest with you. Right. And there's a difference. And I, and I'm not saying, Oh, sorry, Kai. I'm not you, saying he didn't blame them. I, I didn't see the presser. I'm just saying like your players can't see you blaming wins and losses on something else. You know, like yeah. you start, you start with your team inner. I, I don't even know if he said it or not. Yeah. And there's, and some, a, there's a huge difference between things you can pick and choose, like, um, you know, a blown call by the refs or like the RJ Johnson smoke layup, like you said. Um, there's a huge difference between those things and the trends, like the free throws and giving up 90 points a night, like you guys said. Yeah. And somebody told me, I don't know how accurate this is, but I think it was a member of the band uh, told me that perhaps uh, that I won't name who it was that KSU was uh, spent like three hours uh, practicing free throws between the Bellarmine and EKU games. Um, you know, we were uh, 57% against EKU. So, I mean, I guess you can argue that it worked, right, guys? Dogwood Golf Club is a truly unique hybrid golf club conveniently located near Smyrna, Vinings, and Marietta. The course is hybrid because they offer both membership and daily fee play. Owl fans, be sure to mark your calendar The Owls Collective has a golf tournament scheduled for Monday, June 10th at Dogwood Golf Club to raise money for KSU athletes. Go to owlscollective.com for more details. Dogwood is a longtime supporter of all things Kennesaw, so be sure to visit their website at dogwoodgolfclub.com. Dogwood Golf Club, an official sponsor of the Owl Chat Podcast. J-Mac, just one final question on the defense. We have veterans like Terrell Burden, Jamond Robinson, you know, older guys that granted probably haven't played much like King and Gordon, you know, they should know they have to communicate. How are we just, how are we, you know, not leaving wide open shooters left and right versus EKU and Bellarmine? Like what's going on? Like how come they can't play just a basic man defense? They're athletic enough. It's not like they're too small, you know, anything like that. Well, maybe Cottle and Burden, but it's not like you know, they're not athletic enough to make the rotations. What's going on? Well, unfortunately, I, I think they're getting confused out there because when a team is shooting the three really well, 
but they're also scoring on the interior really well at the same time. When you're an off-ball helper, like you get confused on what the hell am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to dig down on this post to help DeMond because this dude is, you know, really doing well on him and scoring on him? And then you risk him kicking it, kicking the ball out, and then your dude, then your own man bangs a three. But then if you stay hugged up, DeMond keeps getting ate up. And I, I'm just using DeMond as, a, as an example. But so you, it, it's tough out there when they're shooting the three really well and shooting on the interior really well. Like you don't, you, you get confused on you don't, and you, you don't know what to do. Yeah. It seems like we're not getting many teams' uh, worst efforts. We're the defending champions. They're coming at us and they're hitting their shots. And especially lately, again, we need to be better. We still should have won these games, but you know, teams are coming at us. It's not like a versus the, if you watched the KSU women's basketball game on Saturday, um, Lipscomb started 0 for 23 from three. If we and we and we had to take it to the buzzer to win. I mean, if if we could just get some kind of break there that just can help with the momentum. That would be tremendous. But again, we're getting everyone's best shot. Yeah. But yeah. ironically, I feel like that, uh, that perception of what we are might actually win us a game or two down the stretch. Cause you got teams around the league looking at us and it's, Oh, you know, what's going on with KSU, you know, they're, they're not what they were last year. So we're not going to have, you know, to give them their best shot. So who knows, maybe we pull an upset here or there later in the season, but yeah. Yeah. I, and I just wish we would be also probably a little bit more aggressive, you know, at the end of games as well, you know, with the pressure defense, that sort of thing, and not just, you know, sitting back so much. Um, I wish we were as aggressive on defense sometimes as we were on offense. You know, if we're going to get beat, we might as well get beat trying to get some turnovers. Yeah, I mean, we came out aggressive against EKU in the first five minutes. I mean, we were all over the place. We looked really good. And I was like, what is this team? Um, and then I don't know if guys got gassed or if they got tired or just lost confidence, but um, there was a, there was a noticeable change around like the 15 minute mark of that game. Yeah, we we just yeah, we just need to be better. But yeah, do you want to um, go on to the EKU game, Kai? Yeah, absolutely. Just uh, we'll start with the summary and then uh, we'll have plenty to talk about. So um, Kennesaw State got up to an unexpectedly good start with a nine to two run to open the first half, capped off by a Simeon Cottle flotter that also floater that also drew a foul. Um, however, the positives wouldn't last too long. Uh, EKU forward Michael Moreno would explode for 11 of the, the uh, Colonel's next 17 points to take a 19 to 14 lead. Moreno would finish the night with 23 points, tied with uh, Devontae Blanton for the team high. Um, although the Owls were able to fight back and bring the deficit within one possession twice, they were never able to regain the lead in the first half. Um, EKU took a 39 to 36 lead into the break. Um, then parallel to the first, the Owls started the second half hot. Regained the lead at 40 to 39, thanks to a Terrell Burden layup. And then just 15 seconds later, um, EKU jumped right back in front uh, and would never give the lead back up. Um, KSU got within one possession one more time. Um, but in the final minutes, EKU started to pull away, um, pulling out an 86 to 76 road win to improve to eight and one in the conference. So we'll start with you this time, John. Initial thoughts on EKU? Man, man, I, I like the fast start. Um, I love the fast start. Then, then you know, as it goes, there's, a I think, a timeout, and they go on a 9-0 run, uh, which, you know, just always seems to happen to us. Um, it was at least a 9-0 run, I think. Um, you know, just, man, I'm I'm speechless. Let's go to J-Mac. EKU, wow. Uh, first off, I love the way they play defense. I love their style. I love their system. Obviously, they have – 
you can't do a system like that without elite athletes. And they, they have a man, them dudes, them dudes are big. They're strong. They play really well together. They play hard as hell. Um, and, uh, they were very impressive, man. I was very impressed with EKUs. Um, it's Jekyll and Hyde again, though, man, Jekyll and Hyde, uh, Kennesaw held EKU to 37% in the first half from the floor defensively. So EKU was only 37% from the floor. And then an entire 180, the second half, EKU shot 61%. Um, Kennesaw couldn't get a stop. I mean, and, and, and to Kennesaw's credit, man, some of them shots uh, were just unbelievable shots, man. Um, especially Blanton. He hit some crazy, he, he had some professional shots, stuff that pros hit, man. And, um, but they just couldn't get stops again in the second half, man. Uh, you know, Bellerman shot 50% from the floor for the game. That's not going to win conference games. And uh, Eastern Kentucky shot 48% from the floor in, over the entire game. Uh, the, the defense, again, man, it's just the defense. I mean, they scored 86 points. Uh, Bellerman scored 84 in regulation. You're not, you're not going to win games when teams are just, they know they're in a great rhythm every single possession and like they got supreme confidence, man. Uh, how, so, how do we throw them off the rhythm, J Mac? You, you got to, uh, man. We got guys in foul trouble. I mean, like that, that was, that was given to us. You know, Cozart only played yeah. like 20, 25 minutes, I think. You know, he was uh, held out for extensive time, but he killed us. <laughs> You gotta change, maybe change up. You gotta have a sprinkle here, or like just maybe randomly trapping. You gotta, we call it red. You, you you trap a ball screen. You gotta throw different things at them to keep them on their heels, and not just always make sure they're coming downhill at you. You know, uh, again, just sprinkle in some zone. Maybe even just out of a out of a media timeout. Hey man, guys, we're gonna go zone right here for one possession. See, they they've scored the last three possessions. Let's see what it can't hurt. They scored the last three possessions. You know what I'm saying? Like. When your your GA should be keeping track of like how how often they're scoring and stuff like that. How many like they scored nine out of their last twelve? Like, hey man, that's stuff they you know they need to be feeding to the assistants and the assistants are feeding to Coach Pet and everything. But uh, I definitely think it's time that like they we definitely need to see a change up in the defense every now and again for sure. And in my opinion, you know, right. That's what I've been begging for. And then EKU pressed the hell out of us in the first half, and while. Uh, it didn't result in too many turnovers. I mean, there were a couple here and there. Um, I thought it made our half-court offense, which already struggles, um, you know, five to ten times worse, uh, just bringing the ball up the court and having, you know, 15 seconds less on the shot clock when we finally got into the position we wanted to be in. Um, so I thought that was genius. I think more, she, more teams should press the hell out of us. Well, one thing about their system, their defensive system made us do is it made it made us, again, they were so good at pressuring the ball. Like Simeon was, Simeon was obviously comfortable in some spots, but like it made Terrell have to really take over as I had to handle the ball almost the entire possession. And it's yeah, the the head coach is thinking the head coach for EKU is thinking, yeah, it, it's all good. Terrell's gonna Terrell's gonna go above his average. He's gonna he's gonna put the team on his back and score the hell out of the ball. But nobody else is gonna be in a rhythm, and it just threw off their entire rhythm of of Terrell being able to take it, get everybody else involved and it became the Terrell show. And, you know, that's great when he's, when he's cooking like that and he's going off, but nobody else is in a rhythm. And you, as 
I'm sure Pat wants multiple guys in rhythm instead of just one dude cooking, you know. And he and Cuddle shot the ball 43 times combined um, of the team's 74 shots. So yeah, Cuddle's got to be Cuddle's got to be a lot more efficient, man. Uh, I think he was nine for 31 in both games this week. That's less than I think that's like it's less than 30 percent. It's probably like 28, 29 percent. Somebody can do the math for me. But nine for 31 in two conference games, like he's got to be much more efficient, man. Uh, and, and again, it goes. It goes to the accountability thing. Hey, man, we're at DEFCON 4. Like, the next stage is DEFCON 5, man. Uh, like, if, if the efficiency doesn't pick up, man, ultimate accountability has, has to be on the table. It has to be. Yeah. There's nothing else you can go to. During the four-game uh, four losing streak, Cottle is 19 for 57, which is 33%. Uh, from three, he is 9 for 37, which is 24.3%. And uh, he's shooting 31.9% from three on the year, which is lower than DeMond Robinson, who's shooting 32.8% on the year. Um, and I think some of that can be attributed to the tough shots that he's taking. Um, so there's your uh, Simeon Cottle uh, breakdown. Um, yeah. And, you know, J-Mac, uh, we like to do a lot of quick shots, but, you know, we've made this analogy before. Quick shots, more possessions for the other team. That's more defensive series for us. You can't really hide the defense. You know, this could, could it be, you know, the second half woes EKU catches on They get more comfortable with what we do. You know, our, our defenders habits, that kind of thing. It's like in football, when we run the triple option, you know, we just grind it, even though our defense is maybe average at best, we just grind it down in eight, nine, 10 minute, uh, you know, possessions score a touchdown and go. Time of possession, man. Like, uh, it's just like like a football football possession, man. Like usually, the team that has the ball the most is going to win the game. And like when when we are on when we have the ball and shoot with eight seconds, this came off the shot clock. But the other team goes down, and we, then we miss the shot, and then the other team goes down, and you know they work the ball in 27, 28 seconds. They shoot their shot, man. It's that that, that gets overwhelming when you're spending so much time playing defense, having to play hard, sprint around, and. That, that wears on your cardio too so then it hurts you hurts your ability to make shots late in the game too and stuff like that and uh i, I would be interested to see time of possession like if that has any correlation with the defensive woes lately right i want to see coddle attack the rim more too uh because he's so smooth with the ball and he's such a good finisher um at the rim and like just looking through some of his game logs i mean against bellerman 13 of his 14 shots um were from three um, and then like you go back to the UNA game, he goes four of 15 from the field and he's 0 of seven from three. I, I just feel like it opens up his game way, way more. Um, and I'm confused to why we seem to see less and less of it as the season goes on. Yeah. And you know, our, it's not just our half court defense either. Our transition defense, I think Moreno was, you know, getting by and hitting some threes. It's, you know, it's all aspects of our defense and, you know, but you're right about uh, Simeon Cottle, man. Something needs to change. And, you know, um, I love Simeon. Don't get me wrong. I think he's. I do too. Yeah, a big part of our future here. But, you know, right now, Terrell Burden is the better player. And if you're saying, do you want Burden on the floor? Or do you want Cottle on the floor? I want Burden on the floor. And, you know, if Cottle thinks, you know, I don't want Cottle hunting shots like he's hunting shots. Right. right. And like, I, we can't emphasize this enough. Like our criticisms of Cottle are not really of him as a player it's about his usage um you know he's being he's being stacked on volume um and just I don't feel like his strengths are being played to like they should be 
Um, I also think we should maybe look at bringing him off the bench um, and still playing him 20 to 30 minutes a night um, just to have that energy guy and have a guy who can lead that second unit. Um, and that way, you know, he gets to run the offense more on his own rather than just playing off the ball um, when Burden's out there too. Um, but I feel like what we're doing right now with Cottle is just not working and something needs to change to get his full potential. Yeah. And I'm all about, you know, I, at this point of the season, like J Max said, we're at DEFCON, whatever. Um, RJ Johnson, I want, I want him in the ball game. I mean, at this point of the year, he's bigger. He'll, he's more physical. You know, he could act. I want him to be more aggressive. You have Cottle in there. He has no conscience. He's just jacking stuff up. Um, I want RJ to have a little bit of that mindset, you know, get in there and just, you know, get the ball and just be confident with it. It seems like he's, you know, kind of deferring to, you know, Burden and Cottle, which I get it. He's a freshman, you know, he kind of knows his role. But at this point in the season, you know, I want Coach Petway to go up to him and say, hey, RJ, you know, man, we need you to be the guy a little bit here. Take some, you know, take some of the pressure off Terrell, you know, create some stuff for your own, you know, whatever you got to do. That's what I want to see going forward. RJ Johnson. Right. And, you know, he hasn't played the most minutes off the bench every night, but he's essentially been the sixth man for a lot of this conference season. So that's a that's a big role in the team. And I'm glad we've, you know, both kind of noticed it the last couple of games. He had a nice night against uh, EKU, um, but he's just kind of passive with it. He doesn't have the confidence that we saw him play with in the non-conference season where it's like, OK, he's going to, you know, put his head down and try and throw down some nasty dunk that he might only make 50 percent of the time. But that confidence was there. I mean, he's so much bigger and stronger than like everybody else out there. And he's just kind of being used as a perimeter piece. Um, and you wonder if his lack of play um, and usage is partly due to his poor three point shooting percentage. Um, which will come along, but it gets back to like, we need to be attacking the rim more, attacking the paint more, um, which we're just not doing right now. So um, he's kind of a weird fit, but at this point of the season, I'm glad at where he is. So that's, that's a positive to hold on to. And Petway said in the presser, Kai, about RJ, you know, he's been working on his, uh, you know, three point shooting so he can play him next to burden. Mm -hmm. um, Producer Nick, can you look up RJ's three point percentage? It's 27. I got 27%. It. Yep. Awesome. That's, I mean, I I'll tell you one thing, man. Um, when you're playing alongside a player like Burden, uh, having a low three-point percentage in RJ is that that is uh it, it's look it's looked at way too much, man. Kennesaw shooting in the paint at well, at the rim, they're shooting 68% in conference at the rim, 68%, and in the paint, they're shooting 46%. Man, play your percentages. If RJ, who cared? You, you you don't have to be good at threes to still get to the paint. You can still drive the space. That's how exactly how Rajon Rondo made a living. They would play 15 feet off of him, and he would just drive straight at that space and get going downhill. Now he can Euro around him. He can still get to the paint, play off his pivots, and dudes can start cutting off of him. He can he can he can kick it out if dudes want to uh, you know collapse in on, on help and. He, the three-point percentage is is often looked at too much, in my opinion, from coaching, uh, from coaches. So, uh, I mean, if the options there, if he can get to the paint, man, they need that. They need somebody who can get downhill more and uh, facilitate. And I and 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 I'm a big I'm a big coddle lover too. I like his aggression, um, but he's he's definitely got to tighten up the discipline, and and that's a part of uh, just him being young. I think he's going to mature. But he, I would like to see Cottle continue to like instead of shooting that quick three on the wing off of just one pass. I'd like to see him try to knife that gap, drive the paint a little bit, play off two feet, use his pivots more, 
uh, um, to try to find guys that are spotting up and rotating, moving off the ball, and just get get a little more ball movement, man. Yeah. And uh, I think he'll right. get there. He yeah. just needs to tighten up discipline a, a little bit. Right. Just a little what, bit. What man. scares me a little bit about Petway's style of play is how, you know, every post game he brings up um, just how they shot from three that night. He's okay. We hit 15 tonight. We only hit nine tonight. You know, that's good. That's bad. And just the general emphasis on it, you know, is scary. He wants four or five guys on the floor who can pull it from deep at any time. Um, and it's yeah. hard to criticize it when you're scoring as many points as KSU is scoring. I think we're still averaging like 84 a game or something like that. So it's hard to look at the numbers and be like, you know, they're bad efficiency, uh, like offensively, but the efficiency just isn't there. It feels like it could be so much better. And it feels like you could slow down possessions um, and just have more energy on defense, have more time to get back, just get guys to buy in more possession to possession. I don't yeah. know. But yeah, if, if we score 140 a game, I don't care if we give up 150 a game. You know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. It's and this is the thing too, man, is uh you you can have four good shooters out there, but n- nothing can account for a quick shot that's not a good shot. I mean, like it doesn't matter if you've got four good shooters on the floor if they make one pass and the the dude is shooting a contested three with 28 seconds still on the shot clock it's that's a bad shot for large majority of people and they they need to continue trying to focus on attacking off shot fakes playing off other actions you know get some more dhos going and and look for extra paint touches that will make them more efficient for those dudes who can shoot the three yeah and rj's a tank i mean you saw that eku zone i just was begging for him just looking at just just split it do something try to create um, you know, you are kind of a natural point guard at heart. Um, and, you know, RJ is 25% from three in conference play. But as we saw yesterday, you know, if you give him a good pass, he can make one in rhythm. You know, he's not a guy that'll probably like, you know, take a couple dribbles and pull up from three or anything like that yet in his career. But, you know, I want to see him at the basket. He's 60% from two. He shoots a line drive though, man. That shot does need improvement before he starts picking up volume there. I mean, his game needs to be getting to the rim, but that's just not the system we're running right now. Um, and like back to the football analogy, it's I've made this comparison before. It's like, you know, running the play action. It's like you need to establish the run so you can open up the pass. You need to establish the paint game so you get guys cheating inside and you open up those looks from deep. Uh, and we're just not making anybody respect it right now. Um, and then Demond goes out and shoots three or four from deep. And it's like, OK, you know, I mean, if he's floating out there on the perimeter, you're going to give him that shot. Yeah, it, I am officially on the bandwagon of. I, I do not like the one pass wing slot three that they're doing against is like a set defense. I'm cool with it. If it's in transition, I'm not a fan of it when they're doing it in the half court, I'm officially not a fan of that. They got to tighten it up. Got to. Our half court sets just look loose and confusing. You know, that's the thing is like, they don't know what else to do half the possessions. That's just what it looks like to me. Um, I know Nick just put up his hands to the sky because this is what he's been preaching all season, but yeah. Um, I don't know. Let's get back to more pick and roll action. Let's get Demond yeah. in the paint. Let's get uh, you know Terrell get into the rim. Put Quincy and uh, Holt in the corners where they shoot it's, fast. It's, it's turning into the Terrell Burden show though. And like J Mac mentioned, you know people you know aren't getting involved that sort of thing. But like, do we have people that can get involved at a high enough level and want to get involved? Well, I'm, I mean, what what happens is is like Cottle has an off shooting night. Uh, Demond plays poor defensively or gets in foul trouble. He gets pulled out of the game. Um, you know, Quincy has struggled on defense all year um holt has struggled on offense all year and then it just becomes the terrell burden show because like who else is going to step up 
You know, yeah. um, yeah. DeMond's yeah. taking away too much on defense or he's in foul trouble and Cottle's having a bad night. It's it's like we're screwed, you know. I mean, Chris Youngblood ain't walking through that door, man. <laughs> right? I, I mean, we took him for granted. Um, you know, as good as he was, and like as much as we knew it, like he was phenomenal defender, phenomenal perimeter defender. Um, I'll tell you what, I would love to have a uh, Casey Jennings right about now, <laughs> a guy who can get you seven points. Uh, you know, go two of five from three and play fantastic perimeter defense. We just we don't have that three and D guy right now. You know, that's what Holt is supposed to be. Um, but he yeah. can't score. He's averaging like six, seven a night. He's the sixth or seventh option. Well, technically Holt is our three and D guy because, uh, you know, he's shooting 40% from three. He can hit the open shot just fine, but he doesn't bring much off the dribble. He's not the guy that can attack the zone or anything like that. Right. But even then, like his volume isn't that great. He had zero points last night and then, or zero points against DKU. And then he was one for four against Bellarmine. Like recently during the slide he hasn't been that i mean when he is that it's great and we win um i mean like he was phenomenal against indiana he's got all the tools to do it um guys just got to step up somebody's got to be better yeah Um, jamel king is the closest thing we have to that right now i think jamel king is maybe the most consistent player on this team definitely the most consistent wing um yeah yeah i mean defensively he's been kind of up and down but who hasn't you know he's had his games but he's had his games where he's won us the game on defense like against unc Asheville. um uh yeah i don't know i mean hey these guys if these dudes are listening man they gotta remember like when when you finally built the culture of winning and you're not winning you're gonna get criticism and you gotta be able to handle it and this is a part of like it's actually a good thing that we're being so critical and you know, we're like, we're griping and stuff like, man, these, this dude has to pick it up in this department. This guy's got to be better in his own, his, in his one-on-one defense. This guy's got to be better in his shot selection. But, well, guess what? That's why, that's why you're losing the games because what you're not doing good has got to be better. If, if they concentrate on the one thing that they're not doing good, they will start. Cause they're again, did, did we get blown out of any of these games? No, we're right there. We're right there. It's the smallest details, man. And if they continue, if they can continue to let their ego creep up and 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 refuse to change, we're gonna, they're gonna keep getting the same result. Like, dude, get out, get out of your feelings, get out of your pride and your ego, and do exactly what the coaches are asking. Yeah, and you got to keep in mind, you know. Also, Amir was one in twenty-eight in year one, albeit we had like no talent. Uh, but you know, I, I still thought like, oh my God, this guy can't coach. We're in trouble. This is really bad. And it turns out, you know, the players, uh, it's different now, but the players, you know, weren't bought in in year one, all the it's, I think all the Skinner players were kind of rejecting him. They knew that they weren't wanted that kind of thing. So I don't think that he was getting, you know, he, he had to turn it upside down. Um, so, you know, let's give coach Petway some slack. Um, like I said, there's still time to turn around, but the players have to take the coaching and the coaches have to put the players in positions to where they can make the plays to win. You know, like some of the stuff we're saying, you know, we want to see something more multiple, you know, on offense and defense, you know, throw some wrinkles in there, you know, that might be on coaching, but again, at the end of the day, the players have to execute that as well. Um, and also, you know, being in the convocation center in my uh, season ticket seats, I don't pay for my friend gives me his ticket. So shout out to him on that. But uh, there are random people in the convo that obviously they might be season ticket holders, but these people are pissed. They're like cussing. You can visibly see on their face. They these fans care now. So that's all that's all I have to say. Well, well said, John. And 
like the thing is you mentioned the Amir season and that's a little different because number one, you know, there's no really, there, there's no fan base back then. Right. Or not like it is now, you know, it's easy to be pissed. Um, but now this year is not a reflection of what the Petway era is going to be. So much is going to change over the next two or three years, but it just stings more for the guys on the roster now. And for the fans that were bought in last year and have stuck around this year because burden and Robinson are still here and we're still kind of in this win now mentality. And we feel like we should be competing for a conference title and Petway knows this. I mean, it hurts more than it should you know this isn't this doesn't feel like a rebuilding year this feels like a carryover year let's see what we can do and then next year let's rebuild and start start fresh you know um very well said talk about talk about the players i mean we want nothing more than for these guys to succeed um but you know they're supposed to be big time now there are people that care um and they're not going to be immune to criticism um and i do want to say like it's not for lack of desire, like we'll make a comment like so-and-so looks lazy on defense on this possession, whatever, whatever. Like these guys want to win. They're bought in. You see it on social media. These guys are in the gym every day, putting up a thousand shots or whatever it is. Like these guys want to win, you know, more than anybody else, more than we want them to win. It's, it's clear. Um, so it's not that it's, I don't know. It's just within the game. That's all it is. Yeah. Very the well. Details, man. The details, man. The details, the details, the discipline. I, I think I, that's what I kept harping on. That was the main key word uh, of the podcast last week. I just kept saying discipline, discipline, discipline. And uh, every single guy has to increase the, their discipline. Whatever it is that they're lacking and, and it's making the team suffer, they got to improve it. It, it, it is, is They have to. They can't, they can't afford to just continue sweeping it under the rug anymore. And it's also frustrating because of the regression factor that, you know, we played, you know, pretty well most of the time to start the season into conference. And so we're, you know, we're kind of expecting it to build, you know, like, like we've peaked in the past couple of years, you know, in conference and now we're going backwards. So I think that's, you know, that's frustrating as well. We started off four and one and now, you know, I think if we started off like one and four and then all of a sudden, you know, we're in the same spot, you know, winning on a winning streak, I th- we'd be looking at it completely differently. We're going backwards in the wrong direction. I mean, you know, we beat Stetson by 18 points and we're talking about, you know, who's number two. <laughs> I mean, that was the that was the mood four or five games ago. We we know this roster is talented. We know it's a top, you know, two to three roster in the conference talent wise. Um, and this year has just kind of been a blessing and a curse for Petway because, um, it's a blessing because he walks into a gig with an already talented, experienced roster, you know, with a lot of good pieces. Um, but he also has expectation and he has buy-in, which is something Amir didn't have. Amir, it was kind of just like a sandbox. I mean, he walked into a program that had no real history, no talent on the roster. And it's like, OK, they were terrible the first year, but there was nowhere to go but up, you know, no matter what he did. Um, and now it's it's the consequences of being a bigger deal in the world of college basketball. That's, that's what it is. Um, we should be thankful that we have these complaints um, and not the complaints about, you know, winning three games a year, like we used to. That's yeah. right. Exactly. Great point, Kai. Beautiful point. Yeah. And another point that, uh, you know, we kind of want to discuss is uh, where in the world is Frank Juan San Diego. Um, so uh, that's, I guess what we're, I want to kind of discuss now, you know, like we're not playing well, He's a freshman. He hasn't played. He didn't play at all this weekend. Do we, uh, Kai, do you, do we get him in there now? Just, you know, we're on a little bit of a, sh- a losing streak. 
Um, do we throw him in, see what he learned, tell him, hey, man, you know, we're not doing very well. No pressure on you. Just go be yourself. Get back to the Frank Juan that started the season. You know, so I've wanted to see Frank Juan play all year because I like him a lot as a player and I like his fit a lot. Um, that being said, I don't think we will over this road trip because it's not abandoned ship tank and see what we have for next year quite yet. I mean, we're four and five. Um, we're a good we're a good road trip away from being six and five and back in the top five in conference, you know. Um, like this is not over and the coaches know that we got a chance to write this ship. It's not too late. So I think they're going to yeah. stick to um, the formula as far as how deep the rotation goes. Um, but, you know, if we drop both um, and we're four and seven, then I really hope that we start experimenting and throw Frank one in there. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. But I'm not saying it's over. Don't get me wrong. Right, I just right. think it's time to reevaluate. I'm just saying like, I believe we should, I don't think they will because, you know, I don't think it's, throw everything to the ground start from scratch quite yet i don't think we're at that point um but what's again is like the trend i'm seeing is the guys who get minutes are the the volume three-point shooters you know the guys who shoot better three-point percentage um and frank Juan doesn't have no shot i mean he's supposed to be able to pop out and hit a three from the wing you know once or twice a game um but that's not his game you know he's going to play from the inside um and he's going to be you know big time crashing the glass and you know throwing down dunks in transition. Um, so that's what scares me is just the, uh, the, the hesitancy to experiment with players who aren't going to shoot. Um, and it might just be veterans versus freshman guy, you know, Frank yeah. Juan and RJ are both freshmen, you know, absolutely. He wants his, his, you know, upperclassmen on the, and Cottle on the court. Absolutely. And they're young, but like they're RJ for sure. And I think Frank Juan should be, um, they're depth pieces. You know, I mean, there we talk about like RJ taking on the role that Cottle had last year as like that backup point guard. Um, like they're part of the team now um, and they have to play a role this year. Um, and Frank Juan not having a role is disappointing, um, not only because he doesn't get his lumps and get to develop, um, but because I also think he could help the team in this situation. Um, and we've seen him go off against Division One opponents. He had 21, uh, 21 points in the game earlier this season. So. The guy can play. Uh, he's got foul discipline issues and stuff, but at this point, why not? Right. The one thing we got to remember too, uh, like uh, you, John, you brought up playing RJ Morikai. You're a Frank Juan guy. You like they're both not going to get minutes. It's if they're going to fit somebody in, it's going to be one of the two. If if he puts in anybody, and the thing we got to remember also is these last four losses have been by a combined 20 points, which is obviously I'm not a, not a math wizard, but I do know that's an average of five points per game. Like these are extremely small margins. So the rotation he's got is good enough. It, we, we know it's good enough. I, I love the makeup of the team. It's good enough to get the job done. So I don't think you're going to see any wholesale changes just because the margins are so small. It's just like, one or two plays here don't go your way, man, damn, that's what ends up being an L for you instead of a W. And, th and this is the world of college basketball. And, um, you know, he, Pet, Pet did a great job getting some of these power five guys in here, like Jamel from West Virginia and, and Holt from the SEC. And, I mean, even Ranji from, uh, and, you know, the Conference USA, a hell of a conference from UAB. Like, that's, that's a hell of a program. Like, these dudes are also seeing firsthand. Like, I don't know if, I don't know if they're walking into to this thinking, oh yeah, I'm about to dominate the A Sun. You're seeing the A Sun is a is a really really good conference, man. And like, it, we got dudes that bounce back or bounce back dudes from from Power Five conferences not getting it done. Like, 
man, they got to pick up their consistency. But the, the margins are really small, man. The margins are really small. I don't see any wholesale substitution changes that y'all are insinuating. Yeah, I, I don't see Frank Juan, you know, changes with Frank Juan, although I, you know, it would be nice to see him, but I, I get it. You know, he, he might not be ready, but he also brings a skill set, I think, that, you know, some others might not have. You know, he's more of that, more of a prototypical, like, A-Sun, you know, four with his rebounding that perhaps, you know, some of our other wings do not offer. But RJ, I think, man, I think it's time to kind of unleash him and say, hey, hey, kid, you know, just just go be you. Well, that's what's that's what's tempting about Frank Juan, right? Is like we don't really have anybody who fits well at that four right now. And like he plays that position, you know, uh, how well is going to be, you know, so so every night. But um, I'll agree him with you. Him and Armani, guy. Him and Armani are probably the fits and neither one of them both have their, you know, issues, so to speak. Right. But Armani's probably a little bit more disciplined um, when it comes to playing those situational minutes like he does. Um, you know, he's probably just got a better basketball IQ. He's been around the game. He's been around the college game for five years. You know, I, I, I'm okay with Armani going out there in those situations rather than Frank one, um, unless Armani's banged up or something, but um, yeah, to agree with JMX point, I think the, the, the possible net negative and the possible net negative or positive, excuse me, the possible net negative and the possible net positive with Frank one are about the same. It's like, you know, who knows if you start him and, five minutes he picks up three fouls and it's like okay well you know now what's the game plan what do we do um and then you know maybe he does a great job on his assignment um and that's the positive so um it's it's kind of a gamble and i agree with jmac that like you kind of want to keep the consistency and the group we have now is good enough they're just not you know doing what they're supposed to do yeah and it kind of feels like petway's you know souring a little bit you know on adam akoya lately with his minutes being so fluctuate he was he was pretty regular at the beginning of the year for most of the year i think you know in the 30s like one of those guys you can't you know take off the floor and now it's kind of you know going a little bit downhill up and down so yeah i mean he's been good enough on offense he had 20 points against bellerman um he shot yeah. the ball well. um but it's like I, and i love adam akoya um i think he's a great basketball mind i think he has some struggles on defense um he can shoot the ball really well when he gets it going but it's like, I mean, he only plays three minutes in the first half against EKU and we hold him under 40. I mean, there's got to be some correlation there. Um, I don't think I'm going crazy. Like they fit yeah. him in three and I, I don't know if he can guard the three. Um, so, so let me pose this question to you guys. You know, if you guys had to pick a starting lineup, obviously, you know, we're not, you know, there's matchups that go that get involved and, in, you know, who's playing so-and-so off the bench, you know, feel free to name your top bench pieces, of course, but I kind of want to get everyone in on this, including producer Nick. Um, we'll start, I guess, starting with Kai, who's your starting five right now, you know, and let's just assume, unless you say otherwise, that those five are the bulk minutes. Um, so um, this isn't even like a realistic thing. I'm just throwing this out there. Um, what I would do is I would put burden at the one, obviously, um, I would put Adam Akoya at the two because I think that's a more natural fit for him. Um, and he's good enough to where you kind of got to play him, whether it's off the bench or as a starter. You can't just, you know, stop playing Adam Akoya. Like, he gives you too much, um, and he's too experienced. So I'd have Adam Akoya at the two. I would have King at the three. I would put Holt at the four because Holt's been one of our better defenders all year um, when he's played since he's come back. Um, and then I'd put Robinson at the four and then off the bench, I would have Cottle leading the unit and I would have Ranji checking in at the four and at the five, um, just totally situationally. Um, and then I would, I would be okay with having Armani Harris get regular minutes, even if it's just, you know, a shift or two a game, 
um, where we need fresh legs. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. If you can put him into the game um, in the, the last minute, in the biggest moments of the game, you can play him with 10 minutes to go in the first half. That's what I think. Yeah. yeah. How about you, J-Mac? I'm going to – I like what you said, Kai. Great points. Uh, just to be different, I, I'm going to keep uh, Terrell and Simeon at the one and two. I'm going to start Adam Akoya and uh, and Holt at the three and four. They're both interchangeable, so like numbers don't mean anything to me. And Demond obviously at the five. And, and the only reason I would bring King off the bench is because he has been the most consistent of those three, and they desperately need more production coming from the bench. And I, and, I, and I've always been a coach. I just like I just like when you substitute and get better. I just like that. That's just uh. You, you're tip, you're coming in like uh like you like uh Cottle coming in with that second unit so he can come in. I, I like I like that for King and he he gets a rhythm of the game. It gives him probably a little more chance to insert himself early on because he's see, he's seen the rhythm of the game. But I, I I really like what King does, man. He he's a spark plug. He plays hard, and uh, I think it would be a great role for him. I and it would I'm sure. Ego wise, like he probably wouldn't like it because he's like, man, dude, I, I'm the I've been playing the most consistent of the three. Why are you why are you bringing me off the bench? But it's just it's 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 more for what the team needs, not based on your individual play. And he can come off the bench and play more minutes than a starter. He can still play 25 to 30 minutes a game. You know, you just uh, that way he can go run with that, you know, second unit or whatever rotation we have out there, um, you know, be fresh when he comes in, kind of take over and then you can use them situationally. It's like, okay, well, Holtz in foul trouble or Adam McCoy is having a poor shooting night. You know, we're going to play King instead of Adam McCoy or more. But um, I mean, I'm thinking the same way. I'm just thinking I like Cottle coming off the bench more to play that role yeah. because I like him running the offense by himself rather than um, him being out there with Terrell more. But also Terrell is going to play 35 minutes a game. So it's hard not to have some overlap there. One, one thing I I don't, I'm not a fan of, I don't like Ranji and DeMond starting at the same time. I don't like, they're, they're very, I just, I'm not a fan of that. Uh, yeah, I don't like it either. Uh, so on this note, let's go to producer Nick. Why don't you tell us your lineup? <laughs> Sorry, J-Mac. <laughs> My lineup is very similar to Kai's in the sense that our one through three is the same burden, Q and King, but I like Robinson and Gordon in the paint, and I understand what you're saying. But again, like this is also assuming that we're playing the percentages a little more and then finding the right opportunities from three point. But from a statistical standpoint, too, the full season, that lineup hasn't seen too many minutes, but there are, I'm going just purely off the stats. They have a, uh, a plus 21 on net rating. Their defensive rating is the best out of any lineup we've seen on the court with substantial minutes uh, at 95 and a half points allowed per hundred processions, which is in the uh, top 30% of all D one teams. And uh, all of the offensive metrics are still there. So trying to find that balance of offense and defense, I think that you have to have some combination of the two and Robinson has been struggling underneath with some of the larger bigs and Ranji hasn't. So maybe you find more opportunities for Robinson to get outside and get assist opportunities off of Terrell. I mean, they used to do it from inside all the time. They still do, but 
I would love to see one of those Terrell no look passes to to Demon in the corner. Uh, I don't know. That's my mind is uh, has gone a little crazy with this, but I'll, I'll let you guys nitpick this. I don't think it's that crazy whether or not it'll happen. Um, switching Demond essentially to the four. Um, I don't know, but it's like I don't think he has a beat for that. And Petway's big on it. Like Ranji. Ranji's a better paint defender right now. That's why he was in the game at the end of the Bellarmine game. Um, and that's why he gets the minutes he does is because he's, he's one of the best defenders on this team. Um, and then just using Robinson on the perimeter more, I have grown more okay with Robinson taking two to three shots from outside a game. I mean, he's shooting, I think 33%, which isn't fantastic, but like, he's a real threat. Like I'm okay with him pulling up and taking that shot every once in a while. He's making enough of them. Um, so I see what you're saying. It's just kind of hard to visualize, I guess. Yeah. And I, I kind of like, uh, you know, just want like J Mac kind of one at a time. Um, you know, you can put a lineup in there with, you know, both of them in at the same time, you know, but, you know, I'd rather, you know, for the most part, stagger them a little bit. Um, my lineup is a little different. Oh, John, I, I will say if you're going to stagger them, then, then we have to start having the conversation of is demand in your starting lineup? Because I think Ranji might need to to see some more starting minutes at center and then you would have Holt at the four. Well, that's a good question. It's a good question. So here's my lineup. Um, I will go with Burden at point guard. Um, I would go with RJ as well, starting next to Burden. I'd go with Holt or Q, kind of interchangeable, like J-Mac said, um, King as well. And I would start Ranji Gordon um, off the bench, obviously Mondo and then Q or Holt and then Cottle. Do I kind of like Cottle as like that, you know, first substitution off the bench, you know, can spell burden for just a few minutes there in the first half. And you can play them together. I'm fine with that. Um, and then, you know, you can put in Harris or Sherman, however you want to, you know, mix and match to get some extra minutes. But, you know, I like this lineup for a couple reasons, mostly because, you know, I don't like Mondo and Ranji together, but also, you know, Ranji is uh, doing his, uh, you know, I just lost my train of thought. I had a point and I lost it. So what do you guys think of the lineup? I, I'm I'm going to be honest, John. I'm not a fan because the way I see it is you got Ranji and Holt out there who have not been great scorers for us this year. Um, they've been great on defense, um, you know, and they, they play valuable roles, but that's two guys who don't score the ball very well. You got Adam Akoya, who's the streakiest player on this team, and we'll have a night where he goes one for eight from deep. Um, and then you have a freshman at the two guard. Um, I just, I think the, the potential in production is way lower than, um, other possible lineups. I just, I want to mix it up too. That's I mean, that's, on offense, that's the ultimate Terrell burden show, you know, unless Holt really starts to get it going, which we want to see from him. But, but I want to mix this up too. That's that, that was my other point. I forgot Cottle and Mondo to the bench could light a fire under their ass a little bit. Just, it could change, you know, it's keeping the same core rotation but just mixing it up a little bit but i i don't i don't necessarily agree i mean we've started slow how many times now i mean too I many mean, times yeah does it really i mean is it going to be any worse you know i i don't mind putting it like a hustle guy like ranji in there a hustle guy like king in there rj who you know he'll be excited to start he's going to be pr- wanting to prove hey i'm the starter now and then you have burden in there I'm still sticking with it. I like that. I, I like the idea, but you know, I, I'm, I'm usually wrong. So I'm probably wrong. So it won't ever happen anyway. So it's, it's just hard because, you know, Demond's supposed to be a top two player on this team and a difference maker. Um, but also Ranji Gordon's been 
arguably the best defender on this team. And you can see Petway, you know, both wants, wants to give both of them heavy minutes because uh, they contribute different things, but they just mesh strangely together. And it's a really hard thing to manage. Well, can you, I mean, think about this. I mean, Robinson's obviously lost weight, but you know, maybe he's more comfortable coming off the bench knowing that like, okay, I'm not a starter. I don't need to give 35 minutes. Perhaps, you know, he could go hard for 20 minutes, 20 to 25 minutes and just have that in his mindset. You know what I mean? Like, okay, I don't need to, you know, I don't need to do all this and maybe it might help him. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, and we've seen that a few times uh, throughout conference play, like I'll pull up the numbers now, but I think his minutes have been cut. He's not playing 35 a night anymore. Um, You know, so it's like, okay, well, does it really matter if he's out there for the tip off or not? If his minutes are, you know, significantly less already. It, it might be like a mentality thing, though. You know what I mean? Like if Gordon gets like the first, you know, seven or eight minutes or whatnot, then there's only 32 minutes left when you put Robinson in. You know, I don't know. Um, but maybe I'm crazy. Uh, J-Mac, how bad is my lineup? Let me have it. Man, I think, uh, you know what I, know what I really think? I, I really don't think the starting lineups really matter. They need to get their defensive <laughs> second half defense together. Yeah, I know. I I thought of that after I gave my lineup, and I was like, really? Yeah, I mean, y'all mentioned that the slow starts. Yeah, but man, it just comes down to dude, get a stop, man. Rebound, like man, like how many times have the, these teams getting offensive rebounds in critical moments where we're not boxing out late in the game? You're just like, dude, come on, get a hit, bro. And that's what my lineup is. I I want. I want the fire to be lit under these guys' asses. That's why I'm putting yeah. Cottle and that's why I'm putting Mondo on the bench just to, you know, see what I can do to, you know, maybe maybe they'll change their mentality a little bit. Maybe Cottle will be like, okay, holy shit, he actually benched me. Maybe I need to change something up or look what I'm doing. Or Mondo's like, you know what? He actually benched me. Shit, maybe I need to be more physical or more this or more that. So yeah, two, go ahead, Nick. So, sorry, Kai. Between... Two stats, the uh, according to uh, College Basketball Analytics page, between defensive rating and effective field goal percentage, the top two lineups would only have either Terrell or Simeon on the court at any given time. Just to note that the, one of the, the most optimal one from the defensive rating is Burden, Adam McCoy, Holt, King, Gordon. And then the inverse of that, uh, the, the highest or the, the most efficient defensive effective field goal percentage is Cottle, Johnson, Adam Akoya, Holt, Robinson. Mm. Yeah. I mean, that again, both lineups, one small guard. Yep. Yeah. And, and that's, that's and, another and, reason why I have RJ in there. <laughs> when you've seen uh, Petway uh, late in the second half, only one in the, in the last couple minutes, only one of them's in there. And, you're always going to roll with your best player, which is Burden. So that's why Burden gets the nod over Coddle. By the way, those stats were uh, purely in conference. I was not counting non-conference for that. That's the important ones. <laughs> so I'm okay. Yeah. It's like you got you got too many guys who are too good not to start. Um, you know, so you end up with awkward lineups. That's that's what it feels like right now. I mean, there are you got seven guys on this roster who are good enough to be starters um, on a good team. Yeah. And and J Max absolutely right. Just we're, you know, beating a dead horse here, but just play better. And it doesn't matter. But you know, sometimes you have to do different things to, you know, just psychosomatically, just like in your head, change things up and maybe it'll spark something. It's like we gotta have some guy just embrace the bench role. That's 
that's what it is. And that's nobody yet. That could be Adam McCoya. That could be Cottle. That could be King. Hell, it could be Demond Robinson. Um, but that's there, there's no consistency there. Yeah, Cottle's um, my guy. You could put him in at the you know the one or the two. I mean, I just I think Cottle playing twenty to twenty five minutes off the bench. Um, you know, obviously he's going to have some overlap with Terrell, but maybe you cut Terrell's minutes down to 30, 32 a night. So you get less of that. I think he would be fantastic. Um, and then we always have one of those guys out there and, you know, one of them doesn't have to come off the ball every time. Um, and then you start to see Cottle, you know, take less of these, just pull up jumpers. Um, and you get less of the, the two for nine type of nights that he has, you know, and he can have more control over what he wants to do with the ball. Um, and just, improve as a distributor as well i mean that's something that we've called on him to do um just put him in more of those situations and his legs too i mean it's late in the season you know he's played a lot of minutes you know if you want to drop him down a little bit to you know 20 25 minutes i mean it can't hurt right right and it's like looking forward to next year i mean we all love what rj johnson is supposed to be and what he's hopefully going to be but coddle's going to be the more experienced one next year you know um in that backcourt so he's I would think going to be taking on a bigger load of production than Johnson next year, unless Johnson really, really blossoms and just becomes the guy as a sophomore, which is possible. Uh, I'm going to give you guys a question. You guys always ask me questions. Let's say hypothetical, right? Cause we've been in so many close games late. Mm-hmm. The defense, the defense, the Kennesaw's on defense. They're holding for one shot. Is there a scenario where you do take burden off the floor? for defensive purposes i've thought about this before in my head it's recently happened actually we kept i believe we kept burden on the court um i'm gonna say go ahead john sorry i'm gonna say you know yeah i mean i want you know i want some length out there um was he on the court against um bellerman i believe so yes I mean, you got to think he just ended a game because he stole the ball and made the winning shot and they should have held the ball for, you know, it should have been a last. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he's small and he's going to have the defensive problems that any five ten guard has, um, yeah. but he has his moments. He's, he's not a bad transition defender. He's going to rack up the steel numbers. Um, you know, he's quick. My, my counter question is like, what is the alternative? Um, do we have Cottle guard the point? Cause his perimeter defending has been, I mean, we're talking for just one play, right? At the end yeah, of a game. Right. Right. But right. it's like, well, okay, what's the alternative? You know, what what lineup do you have out there then? Yeah, you put and, and this is why I say it is because at this point in, in the game, when you've lost four straight, all options got to be on the table. And that may include and, and I'm not saying you do it as a head coach. The option has to be on the table. If it if it's between winning or losing, is there a scenario where just because he's your best player doesn't mean he's a great like he, he's obviously there are times where you can see the other other team is game planning on picking on his size and taking advantage of it. That is most definitely a part of the scout report because they, you know, he doesn't want to foul because he can't, they can't afford for him to get in foul trouble and he knows that he can't get in foul trouble. So they obviously want to attack him, but is there a scenario where you have to take him off the floor for defensive purposes? And that that's an option that they gotta, they gotta be willing to uh, at least consider in the moment for sure. So how many seconds were left when Bellerman had that last possession? Was it like four seconds or something like that? They Five called seconds? the timeout with like four seconds after they advanced the ball um, past yeah. the court. Yeah. yeah. So, and like- we were up two. So basically, you know, we just, worst case scenario, we just don't want him to hit a three. Yeah. I'm, I would have taken burden out there. Absolutely. You know, 
put King, you know, make King guard the can guard the smaller guard for the limited amount of time. If he even tries to get to the basket, put him on the quickest guard. Um, you know, hold. Hey, I mean, if you if you hit one of the the previous two missed free throws, then you can foul, and that's what Petway said they would have done. Um, and then it yeah, doesn't matter yeah, if you yeah. there or not. You know, I saw it on the broadcast. He was saying, yeah, you could tell he was saying a uh, foul at five or something. He wanted a foul at five. Yeah. Oh yeah, but I'm just talking about a situation how it played out. Like not the not the full court. I get it, and I would be open to it. My question is, like, what's the alternative? I mean, are we having Coddle out there playing that role? Like, it, is he that much better defensively? Um, like, I get picking on Bird and size, and that's uh, that's just something you got to adapt to and deal with throughout the game because he's such a weapon on offense. You know, you can't not have him out there. But you know, in a in a last moment type of situation, Burden's a smart enough and a humble enough player to be okay with not being in there for that possession. I just I don't mean, see what you would do instead. I mean, have Jamel King jump up and down on the uh, inbounds pass, um, you know, Holt, Armani Harris. We should have uh, kept Eve's combo around. <laughs> yeah. But with J-Mac, uh, I mean, who are you, you know, I'm there's two different scenarios. There's the whole, you know, where we're taking the defense and what to do if we hit the free throw. I'm talking about the side out, how we could have prevented that three pointer from even taking place. They got a little bit lucky. What are you doing there differently? Like I said, I'm taking out, I would have taken out burden after that timeout. Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely an option. Um, The the defense, the, the dude trailing the flare um, uh, Armani, Man, dude, he, he he would have been there if he wouldn't have got hit. I mean, but yeah, like that's a scenario. It's four seconds. I'm getting my most athletic, longest players out there, and it's it's four seconds, bro. We're we got to win the game on, on defense right here. I'm I'm playing with my most athletic, longest five dudes for sure. Yeah, they could not only you know perhaps uh, you know block the shot, they could affect the shot as well yeah you're altering the shot and but it but again i'm playing armchair quarterback you know because it's after the fact and it didn't work out but i know me in the moment terrell bird is my best player he's going to be on the floor and 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 i know i'm being hypocrite i just said one thing and i just said another but me in the moment yeah my, my boy is going to be out there on the floor and especially I'm, when he if i'm going down i'm going down with my best players on the floor especially when he gives as much effort as he does in these games. And it's evident to everybody in the arena and watching on TV, how much he cares. I don't know if you like, if there's any situation where like I, in my mind as a coach would want to pull him out because it's that guy is out there to play for the team and for the win. And you know, he's going to play his best defensive possession of the night in that situation, regardless of what's holding him back. But, but, but again, these are scenarios that are worth bringing up at when you're not winning. For sure. Um, for sure. I'm just, I'm trying to think through it and it's like, okay, what, what's the theoretical lineup? We know they want Gordon out there in those situations. Cause that's going to be their best, you know, big defender. You're going to yeah. want Holt out there. He's been, um, he's your, he's your length guy. He's been a good defender. You want to have King out there at the three. I would think we know they don't want Adam Akoya out there in those situations. They took him out to put in Armani Harris, you know, who's not a rotational guy and Adam Akoya's, um, you know, a top five leading scorer on this team. Um, yeah. Coddle hasn't that was very been, telling. Uh, yeah, Coddle hasn't been great on defense. Uh, Terrell has his issues. I mean, like, who else is out there? I feel like you got to have Terrell out there by default. If we had the luxury, um, I I mean, maybe you put an RJ Johnson when he comes a little further along if he got there because, 
but that's a yeah. freshman biggest position of the game so yeah. I, or I frank Juan. but again yeah you're sitting him all game that's that's not very logical right but you sat armani harris all game and then threw him into the biggest moment of the night but he's a know? fifth year vet so you know yeah. what I mean? that's different but yeah but his his ceiling is clearly lower than sherman's you know what we should have done besides the ball i'll tell you what we should have done we should have put it in rj for armani that way when the dude tried to truck him with the screen rj would <laughs> put him on his ass because he's a, he's a damn linebacker. Yeah. Would have he would have put that kid through the head coach's hip, man. That dude would have been had a broke hip, man. It would have been a spine buster leading to the people's elbow. I'll tell you that. But it's like, okay, you got your three solid ones in Gordon, Holt, King. Um, it's clear they don't want Adam McCoy out there. Um and then Frank Juan and RJ are fresh. But it's but it's four seconds. two more guys on the court. But it's four seconds. I still think I take Adam McCoy over Burden because, like, I mean, yeah, I mean, like, back to the Eves combo point. He played, you know, in a one possession game with two seconds on the clock against Florida Gulf Coast. It's situational. I get it. It's just I, I don't see a better option. EJ Holland. <laughs> Make him guard the inbounds pass. Make him guard the inbounds pass. Yes. He can just he can hide um, under uh, Gordon and trip somebody or something. I don't he, know. Could, he could put, he can be put on Ranji's shoulders. He can hold him up there and try to block the pass. Be almost as tall as Zach Eady. <laughs> yeah. But, there, uh, there we, we, we love EJ. Yes, we do. We love EJ here and on the owl chat podcast. So um, yeah. Does anybody have uh, anything else or uh, I guess we should discuss a little bit on about Austin peak Kai, if you want to. Uh, yeah, I don't have anything written up but they're uh they're more or less in the same boat as us but their expectations for the season i think were way lower um maybe not amongst their fans their fans thought they were going to win the conference which was ridiculous but um i believe they're sitting at four and five they just beat unf um which was a huge win for them but um they're really young they got some good shooters but they've also had some total duds this year um like i think it was against jacksonville a week or two ago they put up 43 um they're hot and cold. I mean, they go 43 against Jacksonville, um, you know, bottom dweller in the conference, and then turn around two days later and beat UNF 95-91. Um, one of the most confusing teams in the conference. Uh, the whole conference up and down is confusing, but Austin P is probably the worst defender. Yeah. Something to look out for, though, Kai, is DeMarcus Sharp, arguably their best player. He was scratched before the last uh, this past game, so I don't know what the situation is with his health. That, that is definitely worth the mention, but also they look fine without him. So yeah, um, they beat UNF. Yeah. And I, I looked it up. Um, they have a seven, three player. I think he plays situationally. I don't think we're going to see him because I think means, that means he's terrible. <laughs> if you're so oh, yeah, you're absolutely. Uh, you're a, you're a D two D three talent type of guy. You're just seven foot three. Yeah, exactly. And he didn't play versus uh, North Florida at all. So, you know, a team like us, I don't see him getting on the court. I just thought it was worth uh, mentioning that they have some size if they really, really want to use it. Oh, yeah. Uh, Shout out to John Allison. Yes. Uh, Who John Allison is? Seven footer that played with me. And the funniest thing Coach Ingle used to say about him, and I don't even care if this is going live uh, because John's my boy and he knows I love him regardless. Coach Ingle used to say at all the uh, – the, the little banquets and stuff. Yeah, I went over there and I saw him and he had 35, 15, and 10. And then the boys game started. And <laughs> well, that, that hits a little bit too close in uh, 2024, J-Mac. Oh, yeah, man. So shout out to seven-footers, man, who uh, aren't getting it done. 
So just a quick note for uh, th- that double overtime game that they just played against UNF. They only played seven players. Three of them played the entire game. And those three players, I believe, are, uh, what are they, 6'2", 5'10", and 6'2"? Like, they play an all-guards lineup. They are very small. I think their tallest player is 6'8". That's that wit guy that scored 30. Yep, Cywit. Yeah, and Sharp is what, like 6'4", 6'5", or something like that? Um, But, yeah, they, you know, P's going to – they're like us. They're a team, I think, that has a lot of talented people that can't, you know – quite put it together uh this game is very important because we only play austin p once which means that this game is the definitive tiebreaker you know between our two teams if we need it and we're both four and five right now so um and the most probably the most critical point when when you're in a hole and you're you're struggling to get wins and you're you're trying to get a rhythm back and trying it's sometimes going on the road is the best thing and my high school team we we play better at neutral neutral sites and away games than we do at home. Sometimes the guys may be trying to do a little too much in front of the cheerleaders or the girls or whatever. Like, and I'm being dead serious, man. They try to do more than what they do on the road instead of just focusing on the team. And uh, this may be, this is, this is a a critical road trip for them dudes and they're going to get it together on the road, baby. They're doing it. Austin P. Um, because we'll have uh, lost the tiebreaker against Central Arkansas and Austin P, um, and Queens and FGCU play each other, we will be ninth in the conference. Yeah, so. we we at worst this weekend against uh, Austin P and Lipscomb, we need to be one and one at worst. Um, at worst, and, and both of those games are games that we can win. And I'm not saying one is going to be more difficult than the other. I'd say we have about a even chance of winning both right kai maybe austin p a little higher lipscomb's been a little bit more consistent um I've, yeah uh i don't know you just you see austin p on the schedule and you kind of write them off because it's austin p but obviously we're in no position to do that um austin p is kind of in in the middle of a weird transition year as well like you said john first year head coach a lot of transfers a lot of moving parts a lot of figuring out like high ceiling low floor type of team um, and Lipscomb has a coach who's been there a while um, and a lot of experienced player, even without um, Ignacevich. So um, I, I think Austin P is the, the better bet to win this one. And it's the one I would rather win because then we go into Lipscomb um, off a win. And we're sitting at five and five and maybe guys, you know, start to buy in a little bit more. Not that they're not already, but I would rather be five and five than four and six heading into uh, arguably your biggest swing game of the year at this point. So um I would rather win Austin P and I think Austin P is the more likely victory. Good point, Kai. And I'm with you after you mentioned that they had Lenny Acuff, who's a good coach over at Lipscomb. So I'm with you. Austin P is probably a little bit more winnable. Yeah. We're going to win both and we're going to dominate. We're going to take over the volunteer state. Tennessee sucks. <laughs> Let's go. Kennesaw. And Charles Stone is going to be starting and put up 30. No, we're going to win both. We're going to uh, we're going to kick ass. Let's be positive here. Let's do it. Let's sweep these mothers and uh, go from there. Cottle's going to shoot 9 of 10. Cottle's uh, yeah. going to shoot out of his mind and make Adam us McCoy. sound like idiots. Adam McCoy is going to have four steals. Armani Harris is going to hit a game winner. <laughs> we're going to have a lot of I would fun. Love to sound, I would love to sound like an idiot and eat my own crow. That's awesome. Let's do it. I yeah, hope they do do it. 
let's make a, let's put out a challenge to every any player that's actually listening to the podcast and has made it through gotten to this point in the show make us look stupid coddle hit five of six from three you know um rj you know go off um quincy have three blocks i mean just make us look like morons that's all we want we just want them to succeed we're not we're not happy either but. We are morons, but you have to make us look like morons. Okay, that's the key. Don't give us validation. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, guy. And again, to the players, y'all are lucky y'all got these guys being critical and asking these tough questions and, and all the insight you guys provide. They are very fortunate to have you guys, man. Man, we appreciate it. And hopefully, uh, hopefully, though, if they don't think that now, hopefully, you know, a couple years after they graduate, they'll be like, damn, man. I wish, you know, from a different perspective, I wish, you know, we had players talking about us. You know what I mean? Like you said, J Mac. Yep. She go on yep. that podcast. Cause the, cause the alternative here is nobody, you know, who's going to, there's no coverage for Kennesaw. I mean, AJC is kind of ramping it up now. MDJ, you get the article who like Georgia as, state has two podcasts as the, as the person who's around this stuff in the room, the AJC doesn't give a shit. The MDJ does. Um, I might be a little biased cause I work for him. Um, the AJC doesn't care. Uh, Eleven Alive doesn't care. They're there when it's a story because it's like, wait, Kennesaw State basketball is good. That's weird. Um, that's worth a mention. It's not, you know, Kennesaw State basketball as a fan base and whether they do uh, well or poorly, then it's worth talking about. But um, nobody cares outside of local outlets, and hopefully that changes. But um, yeah, we try to be the voice of the fans here. Um, that's yeah. the role we try. Shout out. Shout out to MDJ. Give my boy Kai that. Raise. Mm-hmm. Been filling my gas tank up for a couple months. You heard of Bednarowski. You know what to do. Hey, we only praise Bednarowski on this podcast. I love that, man. I'm praising him right now. You can't see because it's audio only, but you know, I'm <laughs> I'm literally almost on my knees praising Bednarowski. Anyways, we've uh I think we've gone long enough. And with podcast, that, so. <laughs> yeah, that's all I got. Anybody else have anything to say? No, let's take us out, Kai, and let's get that those two wins next weekend. Absolutely. We'll be back for the midweek on Thursday, and then hopefully uh, our next post-game show will be in uh, better moods. Everybody have a great rest of their week. Thank you for listening to the Owl Chat Podcast. As a reminder, you can follow our hosts on Twitter X at Kai Millette and at KSU Owl Howl. Make sure you're following our show account at Owl Chat Podcast and have notifications turned on so you're up to date on all new OCP episodes. Be sure to check out Kai's publication at BigOwlBlog.com and John's KSU message boards at KSUOwlHowl.com slash forum. Until we return, stay happy, stay healthy, and as always, Go Owls!